The following audio is from Story City Church in Burbank, California. For more information on Story City, go to storycitychurch.com. All right, well, good morning. Happy Thanksgiving week. Can you believe it's Thanksgiving already? This is amazing. Like, I feel like it was, we were just celebrating New Year's. Crazy. So I hope by Thursday I'm turkey comatose. Anybody identify? Can anybody hope the same? Hey, uh, well, we're glad you're here this morning. My name is Matt, and uh, we are so thrilled to be able to enter into this Thanksgiving week together, and uh, I believe it's going to be a good week. I don't know if you have plans. A lot of, I know a lot of people have already gone out of town or are going out of town, but I hope you have a fantastic week. So we are in between series. We just finished up a series called The Ever-Chasing God in the Book of Jonah last week, and then two weeks from today, we're going to start a brand new Christmas series called The Christmas Feels, and I'm so pumped about this series. It's going to be amazing, and uh, so it's going to be a great time also. Uh, if you've invested in people in your life, your family, friends, neighbors, it's going to be a great chance to invite somebody to be a part of what God's doing here at Story City. So because it's Thanksgiving week, um, I thought we would jump into Luke chapter 17 today. If you've got a Bible, um, or if you happen to bring one with you, turn it on, turn it to Luke 17. Um, if you don't have a Bible, we would love to give you one after the service today. And um, if you didn't, if you have one but you didn't bring it, we're going to put the verses on the screen, okay? Sometimes we want you to come in and we want to surprise you. Um, and then other times you may come into church and you're not surprised. Like maybe you're not surprised at Thanksgiving week. We want to uh, spend a few minutes talking about gratitude today, but I thought that would be appropriate, and I want to share some things to kick us off that I'm personally grateful for, but let me pray for us first. Jesus, we love you. Thank you for today. We don't take it for granted. It's never happened before. will never happen again, and so God, I pray that you would uh, speak to us in the few moments that we have together, um, Jesus, and so inform our hearts, um, speak to our ears, Lord, and our hands and our feet. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Hey, can I tell you a few things that I am personally grateful for? Uh, because it's Thanksgiving week, um, I'm grateful for an amazing wife. It was my birthday this past week, and she just makes me feel like a king all week long. And uh, just I'm, I'm, I'm grateful for an amazing wife. I'm grateful for great kids most every day. Uh, I'm grateful for a nice house. I live in a nice house. I'm grateful for a nice car. I drive a nice car. I'm grateful for an amazing job. Uh, here at Story City Church, I'm grateful for you as a people, um, the best people in Los Angeles, in my opinion. I'm grateful for people that I work with, um, some of the most talented people on the planet. Can I also tell you that I am personally grateful for life? Can I tell you that this morning? Um, if you don't know my story, uh, let, me, let me tell you what I mean by that. I, I'm grateful for life, really, I am. Uh, I was born in 1977. Uh, just a few years after Roe v. Wade was uh, made legal, uh, it was made legal to uh, abort a child um, if that child was unwanted or unneeded or a surprise or for whatever reason, abortion was made legal. I was born just a few years after that decision in a decade where uh, having a child that you didn't want, having a child that you didn't need, having a child that you didn't expect still carried sort of this cultural stigma. So I was born just a few years after that court decision. I was born to a woman who uh, did not want me and could not afford me. And I'm grateful this morning that that woman chose, rather than to abort me because it was now legal and it carried a cultural stigma, I'm grateful that she chose instead of aborting me, I'm grateful that she chose to have me. I'm further grateful for Ronnie and Diane Lawson. My mom was here last week. 
Ronnie and Diane Lawson had prayed for several years about having a child, and they were physically unable to do so. And so after several years of trying to have a kid, they couldn't have a kid. Um, they contacted an adoption agency in South Carolina, and they connected and partnered up with them. And they got a phone call in November of 1977, and the phone call said, hey, we've got a beautiful, talented, extraordinary young little boy that was just born uh, in Georgetown, South Carolina. And if you want him, you can literally pick him up from the hospital. And so Ronnie and Diane Lawson... Uh, drove over to Georgetown, South Carolina. And my mom tells me when they went in the hospital, the first thing that my, uh, my adopted dad said was, uh, that is one ugly Froger. <laughs> I don't know what Froger means. But uh, anyway, so I'm grateful for Ronnie and Diane Lawson. They gave me a chance at life, literally, when a woman who could not afford me and did not want me gave me up for adoption. I'm grateful for parents who gave me not only a chance at life, they gave me uh, extraordinary blessings, including the blessing of education. Um, some of us may not have grown up in a family that, was at, that had the chance for education. My family, my adoptive family, happened to be one of those. I was the first person in my adopted family to graduate from college. I'm grateful for the chance of life today. I'm grateful that God gave me that opportunity. Um, today, by the way, uh, life was not something that I deserved. It was not something that I was entitled to. It was not something that I impressed Ronnie and Diane Lawson with. They did not observe any skill or any talent or any extraordinary looks. I, I nothing that I impressed Ronnie and Diane Lawson with impressed them to adopt me. But today, I'm grateful. I wasn't entitled, but I'm grateful for life. Today, I want to spend just a few moments, if you will. I want to spend a few moments looking at just an experience in the journey of Jesus in his last few years that I think can help us uh, really understand gratitude a little better. It's in Luke chapter 17. It starts in verse 11 today. And if you've got a copy of God's Word, go ahead and open it up. But if not, it's going to be on the screens, okay? <clears throat> Luke chapter 17, um, starting in verse 11, says this. Now, when he was on his way to Jerusalem... Jesus traveled along the border between Samaria and Galilee. And verse 12 says, and he was going into a village. Ten men who had leprosy met him. And they stood at a distance and they called out in a loud voice, Jesus, Master, have pity on us. Verse 14, when he saw them, he said, go, show yourselves to the priest. And as they were going, they were cleansed. Verse 15 says, and one of them, when he saw that he was healed, said he came back and he praised God in a loud voice and he threw himself at Jesus's feet and he thanked Jesus and he was a Samaritan. I'll come back to that in just a moment. Verse 17, Jesus asked, we're not all 10 cleansed. Where are the other nine? Has no one returned to give praise to God except this foreigner? Verse 19, then Jesus said to him, rise and go. Your faith has made you well. We've got a story here from Jesus' life of 10 men who were stricken with the disease of the day. Uh, 
we're many years beyond the reality of leprosy uh, being a common thing in our world. It still exists in parts of Asia, but for the most part, we don't understand um, leprosy as it would have existed 2,000 years ago. It's hard to imagine what this disease would have actually been like except for the writings of some commentators and historians who would tell us, because today we have modern medicine, we have modern technology that would not have existed 2,000 years ago that would have helped with that disease. But 2,000 years ago, a disease that was uh, one of the worst of the day, if you've ever heard of leprosy, you probably heard of it in the context of church or in the scriptures when it's talked about. Leprosy would have been a disease that would have caused sores on the skin. Um, oftentimes, leprosy would have caused fingers and literal arms and, and limbs to fall off if it got worse. Um, oftentimes, people will tell us that it, leprosy could have taken 30 years to develop in a person's body. In the meantime, the nerve endings could have gone um, mute, and so your arms and your legs and the places affected on your body would have never felt pain. So there was a physical pain to leprosy, but there was also an emotional side to this leprosy. In Jesus' day, if you were a person who had that disease, you would have been cast out of the community. And so we see 10 men who were gathered here together. And so they would have bonded together both for the, for the help and the assistance of one another because they could not come in contact with people who were considered clean. They were considered unclean. They were cast out of their own community, oftentimes in their own colonies, away from each other. And what we see here is that they would be away from people at a distance and they would shout. They would have to use their voice for two reasons. One, they would have to tell people, I am unclean, do not come near me. They would also have to use their voice and shout loudly so that they could beg for assistance from people who would pass by. And so the physical pain of leprosy was one thing, but the emotional pain, the stigma of it all was another. It was literally a sentence of isolation. For some, it could have lasted an entire lifetime. And so we see these 10 men who have leprosy. They're cast out of the community. And Jesus, we don't know whether they understood who Jesus was we don't know that they understood about the prophecies made about Jesus in the Old Testament. And yet Jesus passes by and these 10 lepers shout to Jesus, have pity on us. And so we begin this story understanding that there are a group of men who have no entitlement in their culture and their society and the place where they lived. A person with leprosy literally had no claim on life. There was zero sense of entitlement. They were feared. They were dreaded. And yet, as Jesus approaches, they cry out, Jesus heals them, tells them to go to the priest. On their way to the priest, they realized in an instant they've been changed. And yet one of those of the ten, the Samaritan, turns around and he comes back to Jesus realizing what had happened. A Samaritan is very important here in our understanding of this passage. A Samaritan would have been shunned by Jews. A Samaritan would have been um, um, cast away from the Jews. He would have been excluded by the community. And yet the Samaritan comes back to worship God. This man, who was a leper, because of his cultural sensibilities and understanding of the disease he had, would know, I have zero entitlement to my life. This man was the definition of gratitude. Why? He knew life 
did not owe him anything. Can I just begin this morning and tell you where I believe uh, gratitude comes from? Gratitude comes from a heart that's humble. Gratitude comes from humility. It comes from knowing you have zero sense of entitlement. Because entitlement says this, I deserve whatever came my way. And so here's this leper who's lost everything. He's been ostracized by the community. All he had known for years was this sense, uh, sentence of isolation, deserved nothing because of his condition, and he knew because of his condition and his disease, he was entitled to nothing. Now, if you understand the scriptures, and if you see the world and who you are as a person from the perspective of scripture, if you have eyes that sense things around you from a theologically, a Bible, biblically informed view of life, then you would understand that the Bible speaks of us in much the same way. The Bible speaks of the human condition as diseased, as isolated, like a leper, having no hope except for the grace of God. One author and pastor says it like this, our own innate condition is far worse than leprosy. And so it's in this condition. It's, it's in this place of understanding I am entitled to nothing in life. Everything I have is a gift. It's actually an understanding of grace. It's in this condition that we begin to understand gratitude. Now, my kids were here in the last service. We've got some of our best friends in the world, some of the greatest encouragers in our life that are here this weekend, um, and they were here this morning. Um, I, I want my kids to understand and be disciplined enough to say thank you when something good happens to them. When somebody gives them something, when somebody does something for them, I want to train my kids to say thank you. I, I just think culturally that's a good thing. But just saying thanks and being disciplined to say thanks is not gratitude. Uh, my kids gave John and Tracy a, a, a back scratch and a back massage last night, and John pulled out $22 to give my kids. And I'm sitting on the couch thinking, oh, please, Deacon, please eat and just say thank you, right? Like, like I want my kids to be disciplined to say thanks. But just being disciplined to say thanks does not necessarily mean you are a grateful person because gratitude comes from a heart that is humble and recognizes the wonder of grace. I'm not entitled to this. I'm not entitled to that. I am in wonder of the grace of God. Romans 5.8 says, but God demonstrates his own love for us in this, that while I was still a sinner... Entitled to nothing. It says, Christ died for me. Now, this is where it's difficult in Western culture because especially in our country, in America, we would say, nothing should prevent me from reaching my dreams. I live in the land of opportunity. I'm an American. I'm good. I'm deserving. I'm smart. I have to get it my way. Nothing should stand in the way of life always getting better. Houses always getting bigger. Bank accounts always growing. But I don't know if you've ever been to a third world country or not. I, I, I've been to quite a few. If you've ever been to a third world country and in Costa Rica and Honduras and you walk down into the slums, you preach a message like you're always entitled to get better. You're always entitled to, to the house to get bigger and the bank account to grow larger. That message will not preach in a third world country. 
Culture says nothing should prevent us from our dreams. Scripture says I really have been entitled to nothing. Everything I've been given is grace. Lamentation chapter 3, verse 22 and 23 says, Because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed. For his compassions never fail. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. Can I tell you what the enemy of gratitude is this morning? The enemy of gratitude is a sense of entitlement. The enemy of gratitude is a sense that I deserve for the best from you towards me. And I just want to say, wherever there's a lack of thanksgiving, wherever there's a lack of gratitude, it will inform us. It will identify for us. It will point towards a heart where pride has taken over. James chapter 4, verse 6 says, God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. Where does gratitude come from? It first starts with a heart that is humble and acknowledges, I am not entitled to anything. Now, where does grace come from? Uh, where, does, where does grace come from? It comes from humility, but what does grace look like? I mean, what does uh, gratitude look like? Uh, chapter 11, uh, 17, verse 15 and 16 says this, one of them, when he saw that he was healed, came back and praised God in a loud voice, he threw himself at Jesus' feet, and he thanked him, and he was a Samaritan. I, I, let's understand the scenario here. Let's not overlook it, because it's a pretty miraculous scenario and situation, right? Uh, we've got 10 people who have the sentence of isolation on their life, maybe for the rest of their life, isolated from family, isolated from community. A person with leprosy had no contact with his kids. A person with leprosy had no contact with his grandparents. A person with leprosy, as he's being ostracized from the community, would not even kiss his wife on the lips because he would have feared that she too would have been stricken with leprosy. And so in a moment, Jesus walks by. And they're shouting at Jesus, and he says, go, show yourself to the priest because you have been healed. And as they're on the way, by the way, the Old Testament gives us this prescription of a person with leprosy. As the leprosy is beginning to clear up, the Old Testament prescription would tell us that they would go to a priest. The priest would examine them. If it appeared that leprosy was going away, they would again be isolated for another seven days. After seven days, the priest would examine them again. And if after seven days they were examined to be clean, then the process would be, begin to reorient them back into society and into community. Before they ever got to the priest, Boom, they're transformed in an instant. A miraculous situation. Life goes from, from isolation to um, normal life as they knew it before. And what does this man do? One out of the ten erupts. The man erupts in worship. He's passionate about it. He's expressive about his worship to Jesus. Can I say this to you? Gratitude is an outward expression of sort of an inward amazement. Does that make sense to you? Gratitude is an outward expression of an inward amazement. Have you ever thought of it like this? Like, have you ever thought of, of gratitude and being grateful? Have you ever thought that gratitude is actually an act of worship? Gratitude is an act of worship, understanding where the gift of grace came from. It's an astonishment of God's grace that overflows in gratitude. Where does it come from? A heart that's humble. What does it look like? What it looks like is a heart that's amazed by grace. 
That's the prerequisite to a genuine outward expression of gratitude. Now, finally, I want to ask this question and try to see it here in the scriptures. Where does it come from? It comes from humility. What does it look like? And then finally, what does gratitude say about the person who is grateful? What does gratitude also say about the God who is gracious to us? Verse 19 says, Then Jesus said to the man, remember, Nine, uh, ten were healed, one came back. He looks at the man who comes back, and, and the idea in verse 16 is that he literally lays prostrate. Like he lays prostrate before God. And we see that over and over in the Gospels. We see that this is, an, this is a, a, a place of worship, a, a heart that's bowed before the Lord. And as he comes back and he worships God, Jesus says to him, rise and go. Your faith has made you well. This is about not just this guy's physical healing, right? This is about God working in this guy's life, not just to give him a better life. The point in Jesus' miraculous work here in the life of this leper was so that he would point this leper to God and, and restore him to a relationship with the Father. Um, when God pours out blessings on your life, we live in America, it feels like all of life is a blessing comparatively right? God's given you a good spouse. He's given you great kids. He's given you a great job. He's given you an ability to pay your bills. He's given you a brand new day that we do not take for granted. And in those blessings that God pours out to us, they're intended to point us to every good and perfect gift because it is God who works on our behalf. Gratitude says, I needed God to do this in order for it to happen. That's what gratitude says. Gratitude is actually an expression of faith. In other words, unless God showed up and he was present in this moment, it could not have happened. Gratitude actually reminds us that today, whatever the blessing is that you recognize, today I recognize that God is present. It's a reminder that God is active in our lives every single day. The heart that's grateful and not entitled. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 12 says this, remember that at that time you were separate from Christ, excluded from citizenship in Israel, and foreigners to the covenant of the promise, without hope and without God in the world. But now, in Christ Jesus, listen to this, scripture says, in Christ Jesus, you who were once far away have been brought near because you were a fantastic, extraordinarily good person. Is that what scripture says? Scripture says, not that you were impressive to God, not that you were good and God owed you, but the scripture actually says in Ephesians 2.13, you have been brought near to God by what? The blood of Christ. It was an act of Christ. Without God, it could not have been done. Gratitude says, I needed God to do it. So Jesus tells this man, your faith has made you well. But the reality is this guy was already healed at this moment. So, so what does that mean? As he's going to the priest. Some translations say your faith has made you whole. He receives something beyond just a physical healing like the other nine because he realized that Jesus had come to work on his behalf and for his salvation. Gratitude expresses actually a declaration of faith. Now, this man was a Samaritan. Um, the man was a Samaritan. Uh, he was irreligious. Um, he would not have been looked on favorably by Jews. 
In fact, of the 10, we don't know anything about the other 10, but we can just guess because it was pointed out by Jesus that he was a Samaritan. He was probably the most unlikely candidate to be healed and to be blessed by God, right? But he's the one who gets it. He is the one who humbles himself and receives God's favor. Look at me real quick, and then we're almost done. That's the story of the Gospels over and over and over. It's people who are far from God. It's the people on the outside. It's the people who are the most unlikely. John chapter 4, it was the Samaritan woman at the well, remember? The Samaritan woman at the well, and Jesus engages her, and he says to her, a Jew talking to a Samaritan, I know you're not married. In fact, you've been married five times. The husband that you have is new. She was unlikely. Matthew chapter 15, it was the Canaanite woman who touched the hem of Jesus' garment who got it. In Matthew chapter 8, it was the Roman centurion who gets it. Sometimes it's our religion, if you will, that causes us to not be grateful. It prevents us from expressing faith because oftentimes we may believe, well, God, you just owe me for this. God, I've just gone through hell for this. God, I've just uh, done this good deed. God, you owe me. And so sometimes it's our religion that prevents us from being a grateful person and receiving God's grace. Uh, I had a grandfather growing up that we named him, we called him Granddaddy Wheelchair. <laughs> you may have heard me just mention him before. Granddaddy Wheelchair um, was in the military as a young man. And after he got out of the military, he left the Korean War, he came back to the States, and he took a job as a lineman. He was sort of an electrician, if you will, if I understand it right. Um, and before they had booms that would raise you to the transformer to work on it, um, Granddaddy Wheelchair had a pair of spikes, and he had a, a leather belt around his waist, and he would literally climb the poles to work on the transformer. And so uh, one particular day, uh, Granddaddy Wheelchair went to work for somebody else. I don't know the story of this somebody else. I don't know why he didn't come into work that day. I don't know uh, why he asked my grandfather to work for him. All I know is my grandfather went into work on a day that he wasn't supposed to work. And when he climbed the pole that day, as he was near the transformer, his belt broke. And my grandfather fell to the ground and was instantly paralyzed. And so they rushed him to a nearby hospital. And when they rushed him to a nearby hospital, they realized that they were not prepared to uh, facilitate his needs. And so they, um, they rushed him to New York to be worked on. And while he was in New York, the doctors told our family that Granddaddy Wheelchair had a 10% chance to live. And Granddaddy Wheelchair lived over 60 years confined to a wheelchair. Um, I only had a few short years with him, 20 or so years with my grandfather. And I never once saw Granddaddy Wheelchair complain, ever. I never once saw him upset because he was in a wheelchair and we weren't. I believe from the day that he... Uh, came out of the hospital in a wheelchair, I believe my grandfather saw it as a new chance on life and he lived the rest of his life in gratitude. I really believe he was the example in my life of a life lived with gratitude. Are you overflowing with gratitude today? The band's gonna come up, we're gonna sing a song and we'll be done. Are you overflowing with gratitude today?
I know this is sort of the week where we're reminded of the importance, like the obligatory, I'm thankful this week, like around the table, go around and tell everybody what you're thinking. I know this is that week. But is your life generally characterized as a person who is generally grateful? I know in Los Angeles, uh, it can feel like we've got a million reasons not to be grateful for a million different things because of a million different reasons, right? Is your life characterized by it? Do you need a reminder of where it comes from, a heart that's humble? Do you need a reminder today that gratitude is actually a declaration. It's an expression of faith. Without you, God, in this moment, it could not happen. I needed you here, God, in order for this to happen. Are you genuinely a grateful person? I pray that this week would be a week where God would remind you of all that he's given and the many blessings that he's given your life. I pray that we would be a people as a church, and I believe we are. I pray that we would be a people as a church who are extremely, extraordinarily generous and grateful because we recognize who we are and what God has done. Let me pray for us. Jesus, we love you. God, we're grateful this morning exceedingly. Lord, thank you for the reminder today. Thank you for the reminder today, God, of your great grace. Thank you for the reminder, Lord, from this story of the ten lepers. Jesus, may we be a people that are genuinely outwardly expressive of gratitude because of the inward transformation, the inward wonder, the inward amazement of grace in our life. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.